Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Stefan Levera podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Today, episode 193, my guest is Gary Leland. We're going to be talking a bit about Bitcoin for boomers. How do you introduce it to them? How do you teach them about it? What are some of the things that they have to learn from a technical perspective? Is it useful to tell them about digital gold? Uh, and Gary is also the creator of BitBlockBoom, so we'll be chatting about that. But firstly, a word for the sponsors of the show. So this show is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin. So those of you in the US, this is the place to get your auto stacking on with Swan. It's so simple, even a no-coiner could do it. One, you fund the USD from your bank account automatically. Two, you auto stack the Bitcoin. And three, withdraw it to your cold storage. There's no withdrawal fees. They want you to follow Bitcoin best practices and hold your own keys. Swan crushes Coinbase's fees and Cash App's fees. Just set and forget. Enjoy your life. Just swan and chill. Go to swanbitcoin.com slash Levera and start auto stacking with Swan today. Be sure to use that link and you'll get $10 of Bitcoin dropped into your account when you start stacking with Swan. Next up is Unchained Capital, Bitcoin native financial services. I'm sure many of you know this is the place to go if you want to get some multi-signature vault security. You can have two keys and Unchained would hold the third key in that scenario. Unchained are also offering vault demonstrations and a concierge service. So if you're unsure about it and you want a hand, you want to be guided through the process, well, now they've got the vault concierge onboarding package. So you can see on the website, if you go to unchained-capital.com, you can see you can select the package and get some of the devices actually sent out to you and they can help you with getting started with that. Unchained are also offering OTC direct into multi-signature, meaning if you're buying a larger amount and you're in the States, California, Texas, or Illinois, get in touch. They can help you buy Bitcoin and directly create a multi-signature for you for that. So those are the sponsors for the day. So make sure you go and check them out. And now I'm just going to bring in my guest, Gary Leland. Gary, Hello. welcome to the show. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Hey, <laughs> Good to be here. Gary, I'm, uh, I really enjoy how you've been uh, owning the Bitcoin for Boomers brand. I think you're the, you're, you've really been taking that on and you've really been talking a little bit about ways to uh, help uh, Boomers understand uh, about Bitcoin. So look, let's just hear a little bit about you. Um, me personally? Yeah, well, sure. I'm, uh, I'm a boomer for damn sure. Born in 1955. I uh, got into, uh, you know, I just, the only thing I dread in my life or I regret is they didn't have computers. Like until <laughs> I got my first computer, like in 1983, I would have died to have a computer in high school. Oh my gosh, that would have been great. But uh, I built my first e-commerce site in 96. Uh, my first uh, podcast in 2004, 2006, I was in Time Magazine's 50 Coolest Websites, my podcasting website. Um, 2000, what, 15, I think I got inducted into the podcast hall of fame because I started podcasting in 2004. I was one of the first 50 podcasters on the planet. Uh, 2017, I think the city of Arlington, Texas named March 1st, Gary Leland day. And then, um, I started buying my first Bitcoin in 2017. So I always include that because that's a big day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very important it's a it's an honor to be uh hosting a, a hall of fame podcaster such as yourself how's well, the, i think how's it's just because i was so early not because i was great <laughs> yeah well I, i'm curious in your in your mind how has how have things changed in the time since you were starting and podcasting today oh wow it's changed a lot it was really hard to podcast back then back then when I first started, I may have been like the 50th. I'm not sure. There was no one counting, but I was really in the top 100, I know. And everybody I knew used the Mac because it came with GarageBand. 
So the people who were figuring it out had recording software on their computer already. And then you had to host your own files. There weren't places really to host files. Libsyn came along. They were the first place to host files. But uh, at first you had to put your own enclosure tags on your your file. It was a lot of work. I mean, you had to really want a podcast when I started. Um, but now it's now it's so simple. There are so many resources and it's so big now. I remember for it took years before I found anyone who knew what a podcast was. Um, I wonder but, if yeah. there are parallels with Bitcoin, you know, in the early days. So the people so are the difficult. same. The people are the same. It's the same kind of people in the early days of podcasting. You know, if you went to like in 2006, I went to the first podcasting conference in Ontario, California, and it was a select group of people that all felt the same way. And a funny story is we were on a plane going, I was on a plane going from Dallas to California and I heard in front of me a voice, because that's all you knew these podcasters were by voice. And it was about five rows in front of me, someone ordering a drink. And I said, Scott, is that you? And it was a guy named Scott <laughs> Fletcher. And he goes, Gary, is that you? And then some guy like four rows behind us goes, hey, this is John back here, guys. Because we all knew each other by voice. You know, because we all worked with audio a lot. And uh, that's the way it was. And now, you know, in, in Bitcoin, you know, it's not that, that voice deal, but, you know, you go to a conference, especially a small conference, um, and you know a lot of the people there from uh, from podcasts and different things, videos and stuff, and you have a lot in common, and you get right into a conversation with them mm. and your friends automatically. It's a really kind of the same tight-knit group, I think, though, as podcasting. Now, podcasting is huge. I have a conference. I just sold my podcasting conference two years ago. It was the largest podcasting conference in the world we had three thousand people last year in florida miami and we sold it and it's like it's a mess now to go it, it's nothing like it used to be it's like yeah you have all these big commercial companies there so i, I guess that's what's going to happen too i guess that happens to everything after it gets to a certain size yeah. um, so yeah. that'll be happening to bitcoin too yeah so look let's chat about bitcoin for boomers i think I, I, many of us, I guess many of the listeners of my show tend to be more you know, really into Bitcoin themselves, but we all have relatives or friends who are boomers and maybe they're not as Bitcoin savvy. I, I wonder in your mind, when, you, when you're chatting with uh, people in your generation, what are some of the concerns that they might typically have about Bitcoin? Well, you have a lot of people who just can't understand the concept of uh money that you can't hold, even though they don't hold a lot of their money. So I try to bring it into the rationalization of a credit card, you know, how they have a little bit of money they touch now. But some things, it doesn't matter your age. I had a guy over at the house this week working uh, in my studio, making a studio at home, and he does networking for a living. And he couldn't understand Bitcoin. And he's a lot more computer literate than the people I'm talking to. You know, like my best friend, he does... He has a computer and he uses it for sending jokes. That's all he does with his computer. I think <laughs> he gets on it, sends people jokes, which I won't open because there's no telling what is in this stuff he's sending me. You know, so he's not computer literate at all. But some of the things are still the basic same. But I try to go into the fact that it's like uh, stocks and money and gold. If you put them all together, but you don't touch them, then they have a it. There's really not a lot of things that are different to explain. And I know that's not what we want to hear. It's just taking the time to listen to the questions and answer them. Most of them have the same questions, but 
they are just a little bit slower because they don't understand tech. You know, but it's the same questions. It's just a non-techy way of asking the questions, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I see. I see. And I presume as well, it it might be, they might have different concerns, right? Given the stage of life. Obviously, everyone's different. Um, but they might be thinking about different things in their life, right? They might be thinking, okay, I might have children. Uh, w- uh, can I pass it, pass wealth on? Or I want to enjoy. The, um, I want to be on, go on holidays. I want to enjoy the, the, you know, this time of my life. Um, I guess the, the inheritance considerations. Uh, they might be worried that they might lose it if they're not technically competent enough. Well, there's several things there you just hit on. Number one is they do want to leave it to their children. I don't know. My wife and I were talking about this the other night. It must be in our DNA as human beings, just like you want to take care of your kids. It must be something in your DNA that you want to leave them a bunch of stuff too. Because I know so many people who like are still living like hermits and they may have, you know, a couple million dollars, but they won't spend it, sell any of it because they want to leave it to their kids. So there's something into that DNA. So they don't want to lose their money because they want to leave it to their kids. But then again, you know, you've got to realize these people, a lot of them, at least ways the people I deal with, we're boomers. And as an average, the boomers went through and we had the best financial success out of all the generations that probably ever hit. I mean, I'm not saying that about myself personally. I'm just saying boomers as a whole, the amount of money we passed came with us and that we absorbed out of the economy or however you want to say it was the most. So these people, most of them have done fine in life. Now they've got their money saved and a lot of them have retirements. They have uh, uh, money savings and 401ks and stuff. And they're taken care of for life. I mean, they really are. They can sit back. I can sit back now and live the rest of my life and not have to worry. I'm not going to go, oh, if I don't make some money, I'll go be in a poorhouse next month. And that's the way many boomers are. So if you're sitting there in that position, Stefan, and you're comfortable and you've got money and you know you're not going to be next week knowing where your meal is going to come from, do you really want to like take this chance on something that you just don't know that much about? You know, so I think it's really more giving them the tools in the proper order than it is trying to sell them on throwing a bunch of their money that they don't need to throw anywhere because they're comfortable. Like my friend Mark, you know, who sends me pictures, jokes all the time on his computer. He, I finally talked into getting on Swan. Oh, yeah. I said, Mark, I know, listen to me, you need to get some Bitcoin, Mark. You know me, and he's one of the few people who know how much I have because. I know how much his house costs. We're really that kind of friends. And he goes, okay, okay, I'll do it. And he called me back up and goes, I got to like give him pictures of my driver's license. Yeah, you do. I got to give him my bank account number. Yeah, you do. But finally he got on Swan and started, so I'm going to do 50 bucks a week. Now he's up to 300 bucks a week, I think. You know, so he started doing it and he's seen it piling up and he's starting to follow it. I think you really have to take it. It's like, it's like to a degree, a kid with a bicycle, you start him with training wheels and then you pull the training wheels off once they get riding. And so I sent him an email the other day for Unchained Capital. I sent him the link to the three uh, SIG page because that's what Mark needs. He's not technical enough to understand this. He's not going to be able to set up. He's not even going to try to set up a wallet. You know, he's going to be scared without the help of someone helping him. So that's where I'm trying to move him to next. So I think you have to do it in steps. And, and, and let's face it, most of them have the money. are the ones that you're trying to sell. It's not like they're going, or I'm sorry, maybe I'm being a little closed-minded there because I think of my group of people I hang around. You always think of the people you hang out with, I think, when you think of that. But enough of them have money that they can throw in 
Because certainly when they come home at night, if they've got a retirement fund and 401ks and they get on their computer at night and they see it dropped 1%, they go, go, oh, my God, Wilma, we lost 1% today. What are we going to do? I mean, they don't do that, you know, because they know they're going to make it back next week. So, you know, getting them to 1% slowly is the deal. Not this thing saying, you need to throw 1% in. Yeah, let's throw $100,000 in there today. Ain't going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. But you could talk him into throwing 50 bucks a weekend. And like Mark, he'll start doing it, getting comfortable with it. And he'll say, well, I need some of this, baby. I can afford it. I'll raise it a little bit. You know, so that's to me is you got to do it like that kid. It's like that kid. You're giving swimming lessons. I know some people take their kid to swim by throwing them off a boat and saying, you better make it back. And I'm sure they're going to dive in if the kid goes under. But I'd rather take swimming lessons for my kids. I had them take swimming lessons and learn how to float. And then swim on their back, maybe, and then swim around and then join a swim team. It's in steps. Exactly. And I think one thing in the space that sometimes we are, there's a lot of purity testing and purity signaling in the space. And sometimes we have to appreciate that a newcomer, a new coiner is going to do things in non-optimal ways, right? They're not going to be fully holding their own keys. They're not going to be fully running their own node. But as long as they are incrementally learning along the way, uh, I think that's the way we should be thinking about this. Um, So I guess for any of your friends, I guess, are there any wallets in particular or any tools that you try to, that you typically will teach them how to use? I've I've taught I use the treasure I've used the treasure I've used the ledger I've used the several watts. As a matter of fact, I'm using a cold card now. Uh, I wouldn't teach them how to use a cold card. That's for <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think well, a treasure is pretty easy to figure out. I think it's actually easier than a, a ledger personally because um, I figured that out back in 2017. So I've helped two people. The thing is, they all want you to do it for them, and I don't want to be in the loop. And they're like, can't you just do this for me? Or they'll, or they'll go, Gary, can't you just buy some Bitcoin for me and hold it for me? You know, like I'm a bank or something. They just, they, some of them will want it, but they don't feel comfortable enough with tech. And see, and that's where young people do have an advantage. They, they're comfortable with tech. You know, they grew up with computers. I mean, let's face it. Um, if you grew up with some, I guess maybe in 20 years, the boomers that are left will be able to laugh at kids, whatever they're called, because they won't know how to drive a car. You know, and I can't even believe that kid can't even drive a car because they're used to self-driving cars. You know, everybody's got their things according to how they grew up. And, and boomers grew up with no tech at all. So a lot of them are scared of tech. It's like you ever see someone, ever, you see this on TV a lot. She goes, I think I broke the computer because I touched that button, you know, and you laugh and you laugh. But that's truth to a lot of people. They're scared. They're going to break it. Exactly. I think I'll tell you what, that's probably a similar experience I have when I'm teaching my mom how to use something as well, right? Like she, she's a bit worried that she might break something, whereas younger people are a bit more comfortable to experiment and just figure out how it works and just play with it until you, until yeah. you kind they of click screwed the right up button. a computer enough and it didn't break. So they know <laughs> where, <laughs> where, where many boomers, the only real uh, experience they have at computers is they go check their bank account and maybe they vote. You know, this on a computer and the grocery store has a touchscreen computer for self-checkout, but most of them don't even want to do self-checkout because they're used to having someone take the groceries, bag the groceries. I've used people carrying it out to my damn car. I mean, you know, so, I mean, you know, that's just kind of funny. I, I want to know where that guy is. that came put gas in my car and cleaned off my window, you know, when I pulled up to a gas station, check my oil and stuff. 
you know, so things have changed. So I think the message I, I'm taking from you there is it's, it's, it's really kind of personal service, personalized, you know, the idea of someone there in person to help you. And so an example there might be something like, instead of just giving them a Trezor, you, if you're there with them while they install the right. Trezor and write down the words, obviously you don't look at the words, but you let them write down their 24 words and you help and make them. Make sure they don't just like copy it with their phone, take a picture with their phone. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. They, they, they don't have a problem with doing it. They just need full service. Like you used to get at the gas station when you pulled up the three guys that came out and worked on your car. They'll do it and they got the money, but they need full service and they need the training wheels. So start them off slow, give them full service. Don't just say order a treasure and it'll come in and you can figure it out. Here's another example. My, my wife's best friend from college decided she needed some crypto. She started buying some crypto. She has it on an exchange. And when she bought it, I told my, my wife said she has to buy a wallet. And I had an extra treasure that I don't even know where I got it. Someone sent it to me when I bought something. But I, I, I felt comfortable. It was a good treasure. And um, I sent it to her. Sent it to her free. She still has her money on Coinbase. You know, hasn't taken it off the treasure because she can't get that box open because that's too deep a dive. You know, get that box open and figure out something new. But if I came over and we did it together, we could get that off her wallet you know, off the exchange. So that's a perfect example how you really, you really need to give them full service if you want them to accomplish it. Small amounts, full service to start with. Yeah, I think that's exactly the, the way we have to proceed. And I'm also interested to talk a little bit about learning for them in terms of resources, right? Like obviously uh, one of our favorite books in the space is the Bitcoin Standard or um, what are some of the resources that you might give if they want to learn a little bit more? Well, I definitely would give them that book as a learner. I also would give them, and I wish, Zima, you've asked me, I can't think of it. Who's the guy with Swan? Uh, Corey, uh, Jan, Jan Pritzker, Jan. Inventing Bitcoin. That's the, that's the book I would give them first, actually. Then I would move them to the Bitcoin standard because, you know, that book is shorter. It's more to the point. It gets into Bitcoin, more into Bitcoin instead of going into money and all this stuff, which is a great book. I think I think uh, Bitcoin Standard by Saifedean is one of the best books there is. But I think that's a harder book to start with if you're trying to teach a uh, mm. um, boomer. You know, maybe even also start with um, the Bitcoin Rabbi's book, you know. You know Bitcoin Money. Yeah, I mean, it's a simplified book, but I've, I'm in the process. I just have... I just have too much going on. I can't find time, but I want to take a book like that, that that simplified and just make a small book, you know, not a big book with big pictures, but a small book that's that simple that I can give to someone it's 25 pages. And when they get there, they go, Oh, I understand what Bitcoin is now, you mm -hmm. know, and it's not, then move them over to Jan's book and then move them over to the Bitcoin standard. But yeah, yeah I was yeah. starting with Jan Pritzker's book. I think that's a great book. And like I said, it gets right to it. I think that's a great resource. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, the little Bitcoin book? I'd say that that for me is one of the, my favorites in terms of the first book I give. That's a good one as well. As well, I think that's a good book. I think I think Jimmy and them did a good job on that. But I think that goes into some things that boomers aren't necessarily that worried about. Boomers aren't necessarily that worried about individual freedoms as mm. much as younger people are because their whole life they've loved the government for the most part, and the government didn't start screwing everybody till after they were you know, in high school. So they grew up with their parents loving the government. 
loving the USA, and they pledged allegiance to the United States every day, you know, in elementary school and high school. So, I mean, you know, um, I don't want to call it brainwashing, but you, you more accept, as my wife told me tonight, she goes, I don't care what they say. I, we were watching something on TV. She goes, the United States is still the best country in the world to live in. You know, so that's, and Jimmy's book has some more things in it, if I remember correctly, about individual freedoms, which I don't, I don't know if that's a big draw to boomers, mm-hmm. you know, just in my opinion. Of course, I totally appreciate that. I think uh, it's you have to select the right tool for the job. Yeah, I think and, it's a great book. I'm just saying, you know, some of those chapters I don't think apply to boomers' thought waves. Does that make any sense? Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, and perhaps the more investment-minded ones or the financial-minded ones might be interested in a book like Why Buy Bitcoin by Andy Edstrom, also associated with, also working with Swan Bitcoin. So I'm not sure if you've had a chance to read that one, but that might also be appealing i I haven't read that one yet what was the name of that one again why buy bitcoin so that's another one Uh, i mean there's so many different bitcoin books um, so yeah well i I can read them all if they're good ones someone recommends one i get it and read it just because you know you can't absorb too much information on this subject i mean at least ways i can't it's like uh it's and it sounds crazy to say but it is like the proverbial rabbit hole once you go down it you want to suck as much of it in as you can and drink from that fountain of knowledge and just <laughs> get it in. <laughs> That's right. What about uh, YouTubes or podcasts or meetups? Are there any other kind of resources or ways well, in, that you might in recommend? In my area here, there really aren't, aren't any meetups to um, to speak of. That uh, and most of them are shitcoin meetups to boot. So I would never turn a friend of mine onto that. And I really haven't tried turning people on to YouTube. I watch a lot. I watch a lot of. Matter of fact. I hardly ever watch TV anymore. My TV is always just on YouTube. Um, <laughs> and it's amazing how the algorithm does find things I'm interested in that I did nothing to even suggest I'd be interested in this thing, you know, which has nothing to do with Bitcoin. Because all I ever search is Bitcoin. But something will pop up and go, oh, I'm interested in the top 10 ways that uh, little houses are made or something. you know. But yeah, I, I really don't suggest videos, even though I like uh, I watch a lot and, and everybody has something they watch. If they're watching this, they know a lot of videos already. So I'm not going to teach them anything new there probably. Of course, of course. Um, and probably a little bit more advanced, but uh, running a node. And I know you run a node as well. Uh, I run a Casa node and a HODL. And then I have a new Start99. Um, that's the name of the company. I, I can't believe start nine labs. I haven't, I, I've yes. heard of it, but I haven't looked into it much yet. I've got that running. I haven't done much with it yet, except getting running and updating it. But yeah, I like to screw around with those just so I know what's going on just to kind of like be able to talk, but I would never recommend one of those to a boomer ever. I mean, you know, that would be the last thing. If I started them off of that, they would never oh, yeah. even buy a bit. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't start them with that. I guess it would be kind of part of I the journey. I haven't gotten any that far along yet that I could recommend uh, that to them. You're like really thinking I'm moving quick with these guys. Oh, of you course know, but, not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I was moving quick. I felt like because, you know, I'm kind of known whenever I'd go to a party or something as the crazy guy talking about that magical Internet money. Yeah. And uh, I, I was I was telling you before the thing, a friend of mine rented a movie theater to watch the Super Bowl. And uh, we were sitting there watching the Super Bowl, and I was just having a good time. This guy came over. I knew who he was, but hardly knew him. He's like, I hear you're into Bitcoin. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. In the whole Super Bowl, he's asking me about Bitcoin. And I'm like, I like Bitcoin, <laughs> but I really was enjoying the. It's not every day you get to watch the Super Bowl with an open bar, dinner, people waiting on you in a movie theater. You know, I'm kind of like trying to enjoy this experience here. 
And uh, so I answered all his questions I could, but people were coming up, starting to ask me questions. They were curious about Bitcoin. Then we had the whole Corona deal happen and it's, I haven't been, boomers are like, they're hodling, you know, their lives, I guess, basically. They're all scared they're going to die because they're the ones that are dying at the highest numbers. So you don't, no friends of mine are having parties. I don't see any friends of mine. I haven't seen any friends of mine. I see a lot of people, but no one that's a friend of mine, you know, from my age. So that really stopped the uh, growth of the Bitcoin with the uh, in-person answering of questions. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I have found, for me, I've had a little bit more inbound in terms of people asking me questions about Bitcoin, although my friends are a bit younger, obviously, uh, and it's usually yeah, they online. Know how to use, and stuff. Uh, yeah. They know how to use chat and stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mike right. still sent me a big email asking me, hey, what's a Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, I want to hear a bit about your, you're doing a series. Tell us about the series. You're doing. Oh, the Bitcoin for Boomer series. Yeah, that was uh, the uh, Biz TV Network. Uh, it's, I think it's at biztv.com asked me if I would come do, there's 12 episodes in the first season, Bitcoin for Boomers. And we're on maybe episode five we're filming this week. Uh, and um, yeah, I just bring on guests and we talk about Bitcoin. I mean, for the most part, it's no different than the other Bitcoin for sure, show for the most part, but it's me talking about Bitcoin and I try to explain it. And I, I think I ask more questions when people say something where a lot of people would let it go by. You know, I've always been kind of like, wait a second, what does that mean? You know, cause I don't know. I've learned so much by just saying, I don't know what that means. One time, I asked that question and I made a million dollars in my life. I saw asking, what does that mean? You know, instead of sounding like a dummy or letting it slide by. So I think that's uh, kind of like my shtick or what makes uh, mine work as I ask questions that are basic, more basic than the average person might ask. You know, and mm -hmm. as you get more and more knowledge about Bitcoin, it gets harder and harder to ask those questions because you all of a sudden have the knowledge and you don't, but uh, that is with Biz TV, the show. We're doing 12 episodes. It's at biztv.com. Um, the first episode I came out this Saturday. They're in 51 or 60 different markets. But if you've got television, but you don't have cable, and you watch TV on air, you know, with an antenna, this is one of the channels you probably watch, or, you know, is Biz TV. It's not on cable. It's for the people who've cut the cord, but they still watch TV. Because there are a lot of stations. I've got cable, so I haven't seen the show. But there are a lot of people who don't pay these outrageous cable rates, and they just watch a lot of channels on free TV. And it's one of the ones that uh, you can watch. If you want to see us in your area, just go to biztv.com. They have a page that shows all their channels, and then it shows the times for every show in every city. But, yeah, it's kind of fun. It's kind of weird doing a TV show in a studio with a clock and people running the board than doing how we're used to doing it. You know, I got 10 minute segments and they're hard times too. You know, I got to cut it at exact times and, you know, um, the different time segments. But yeah, Bitcoin for Boomer show is, uh, it's fun doing it. I, you know, one thing about Bitcoin, Stefan. Yep. And this, this happened in podcasting too. That's great is you meet so many people by doing media. Like you and I are friends. We met in San Francisco. I know Safedine. I mean, it's, it's, I, I can name them all on all my fingers and hands, all the great friends that I've met that I can walk up to or I could contact and, and talk to if I needed or had a question. So, And that's the way podcasting was to begin with, and that's the way Bitcoin is right now. 
Um, you can, there's so many people that you get to know so easily. That'll be contacts and friends. I can tell you, because I've done this before in 2004 when I started. These contacts that we're all making right now will be contacts for life. There will be. This market will get so crowded with people that a lot of them, you'll meet some, but you just won't possibly be able to meet them all. But these contacts we're all making right now will be friends for the rest of your lives. You'll have these contacts forever because you're going to be yeah. in Bitcoin forever. I mean, because this is different than podcasting. This is something that people will be in for forever. Right. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting point. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, as, as the space grows, you know, it, it'll just be difficult if you have, a, a, if you're a well-known name to be able to answer every DM and every question that comes your way. I mean, you'll try to, but you just, you just. But it's like, if I went to, to Australia and I was close to you, there's no way, even if it was 10 years from now, I wouldn't look you up, you know, because I've known you well enough. Or for instance, I was in Kansas City a year ago and I looked up a guy who was like my buddy online from the first days of podcasting. And we had a great time. We went out to dinner with his wives and we were friends just like we were 14 years ago. So these friendships you're making now, it's not a Bitcoin subject, but these will last a long time. I can tell you from experience. Oh, look, I think that uh, makes a lot of sense. Everyone in Bitcoin is trying to think more in a low time preference way and uh, think for the long term. So absolutely. Um, also, one point I loved that you were touching on earlier was around the curse of knowledge, right? Like as you learn more, it becomes harder and harder for you to relate to beginners and new coiners. And sometimes, you know, you forget these little things. And in fairness, if you're regularly teaching new coiners, you hear the common questions that come up right. so you can have a sense of that. Um, but oftentimes you lose touch of that. Like one example is, um, you know, if you are longer time in a longer time in Bitcoin, you know, you write down the 12 or 24 word seed and that's your backup for all your Bitcoins on that wallet. But for a new mm -hmm. person, that's not intuitive. They, right. you know, they might, you know, they might think of it like it's a word <laughs> file and you save it. And if you don't, if you don't save it, you know, after well, that's you, why I said you get to keep from taking a photo of it. <laughs> but you know, when I first set up my first wallet, uh, someone had me set up, someone who was uh, educating me, because I just kept asking them questions and questions and questions. Once we started talking, he goes, why don't you come over to my house? My wife will get some dinner. We can talk some more. So I bought an open dime from him. I went online and bought some Bitcoin and I put it in the open dime. And then I took a... Uh, uh, I took a picture of it. <laughs> My thing is, you can't take a picture of that. I was like, why not? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that's why I always used the taking picture. I did it. You know, <laughs> he's like, you yeah, got to delete course. that now. <laughs> of course, yeah. And I mean, there's different apps and tools out there. So I know, uh, for example, Casa Wallet, they've tried to do seedless style. Um, so that you don't have to do, you don't have to write down the words. Obviously, within the Bitcoin community, there's a bit of debate around some of that stuff around, you know, open source, closed source, etc. Um, but as a, as a training wheels, as a way of getting people in, I think um, it absolutely makes a lot of sense. Right? Well, I think Bitcoin is again a lot like podcasting, and the fact that I told you when we when we started the conversation, we talked about podcasting. And I said how hard it was back then, and I think that when we go ten years into the future from now. People will interview you and you go, what was it like doing Bitcoin back then? You go, it was pretty damn hard. <laughs> you know, I had to like go buy my Bitcoin. I had to make this wallet. I had to write down all these words. I had to transfer over a little bit and I was scared as hell. I lost all my money and I was waiting and waiting and it went through. Then I moved more of it, you know? And, and so I think that that's now as hard as it seems or maybe as easy as it seems to people who know it that 10 years from now, We'll go, man, it was hard as hell back then. No wonder no one was getting into Bitcoin. It was a lot of work. 
because that'll yeah. happen. That happens with technology. I mean, oh my gosh, if you'd have told me, I mean, when I did podcasts, for instance, I had to use an iPod to, to download my shows took, that I listened to the next day, took the whole damn day, you know, the whole damn night. I had to plug it in or I had nothing to listen to, much less picking up my phone and recording a podcast, editing it and uploading it from my phone. I mean, that, and that hasn't been that long. And it went from an iPod to a phone, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's fast. So if we keep it, and I, I think Bitcoin is moving at a faster curve than podcasting did for damn sure, because no one knew what podcasting was for years, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also the, that other point you were making about relationships and the people you can meet now that you can't necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily be able to do in five or 10 years time. I think uh, conferences are a great way for that oh, as well. The chance to are. meet people in person. And, and I'm uh, so pissed yeah. about that. I was going, I told my wife at the beginning of the year, I'm going to more trips this year than I've ever gone in my life. I had like seven or eight conferences on the plan. I went to one tones. That was like a week before Corona hit, but we're going to have another one though. At, uh, at I'm doing in August here. So um, yeah, so let's get into it. What we were going boom. into, so I thought I'd just go ahead. And yeah, let's go. It. Let's go into Bitblock Boom. Tell us yeah. about it. Uh, I know you've got a huge lineup of speakers. Yes, Bitblock Boom. Uh, it's the last weekend in August, 28th and 29th, I think. And this will be our third year, and it's a Bitcoin conference, not a crypto conference. You know, my joke is the first time someone reports you for talking about crypto is I'll come in and ask you to uh, not do it again. The second time I'll take you out in the hallway, and the third time you'll be asked to leave. <laughs> this is a Bitcoin conference. I want to make that clear to people. You know, uh, if you knew how many sponsors I could have had that I've turned away because this is a Bitcoin and I wouldn't let them come because they are not Bitcoin companies. They're crypto companies at heart. It's amazing. But this will be our third year. And, um, you know, we've had to change a lot of things because of the corona going around. Um, so we were going to have two rooms. Last two years have been one room. It's a huge room. With a, it's a great room um, with a great stay. It's really a beautiful room. And we were going to have a second room that was going to be our tech track this year. But that room is too small for social distancing. So we're having to do away with that. And just so people, because if people are wondering, how can you do this during Corona? The room that we're having it in actually holds like a thousand people. And we're only going to probably have our numbers. Last year we had... Last two years we had that we we sold out at 125. This year we were going to do we were going to move it up with the two rooms to 300, but now we're backing it down. It'll probably be about 225, 250. So the rooms made for a thousand. I've had them give me drawings of the rooms with the distancing, and it can, it can be done. A lot of people who went last year, the year before, go how can that room hold a thousand people? But they have to realize this room is in three tiers, and we had everything on the bottom tier. And when they think about that, they go, oh, you're right. There were two empty tiers that just look like walkways, but they were empty tiers. So the room we can do, we're bringing in hand sanitizing stations, of course. We're giving everybody Bitblock Boom masks. You know, as to whether they wear them or not, that's up to them. Um, and then we're doing things like in the bathrooms, we're, we're closing half the damn stalls to help with more social distancing. Last year, everybody hung out in the hallway. We're moving that into a big marble area so we can move the tables away and it's not a cramped hallway. So we're trying to do a lot of things to make it as safe as we can. Uh, actually, as far as people who've bought tickets um, being worried about it, I guess it's not a big issue. That's why I went through. Only 
one person in the United States is canceled who bought a ticket. Everybody else who's canceled has been from out of the country. And they're worried about getting back like you, you were a speaker. They're worried about getting back. Now, I have had a couple of speakers, other speakers who aren't coming, but I've been able to find great speakers to replace them. I had a waiting list of speakers. Um, we just added Isaiah Jackson um, from Bitcoin and Black America. Uh, we're adding someone else in the next day or two. I'm just waiting for their headshot. I'll wait till I get that headshot. But everybody will know who that is. So we're having no shortage of people wanting to come. Um, and people, as, if everybody was going, hey, I'm not coming, you know, I want a refund or whatever, then I would have thought about it. But since no one's canceling, I'm like, heck, I've probably got more to worry about than anyone else who's there being probably one of the only boomers there, you know. So, so if, if I'm willing to go for it, I figure, what the hell, you know, let's do it. Of course. Yeah. But and look, I gotta try, and I'm from, trying to yeah. make it safe as I can. Yeah. And I think, um, to be fair, I think, you know, most people are interested to go. And for me, I'm very sad that I won't be able to attend. So for listeners, uh, just to let you know, I was initially on as a speaker and I was obviously very excited to come along and to hang out with the guys and meet everyone and, um, you know, just be a part of the conference experience. But unfortunately, Australia, the government here is basically locking things down or basically not letting people travel internationally unless there's certain exceptions. And obviously I wouldn't meet those exceptions. So I literally cannot uh, fly. Like I bought my flight. I even bought the flight already and it got canceled. Um, so unfortunately I won't be able to make it. And so I'm sorry for the listeners. So I have more yeah. people. Usually when I'm at BitBlock Boom, I'm kind of working my ass off because I'm like really a one man show. I mean, I do most of this by myself and I work on it all year. But when I was at Tones Conference, I had so many people come up to me and that was an atmosphere when I wasn't working that had come to Bitblock Boom last year and they were all like, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it. I was standing there and I looked over there and there was Saifa Dean and there was so-and-so, Marty Bent and all these people and I just went over and had a beer and we were hanging out and uh, it, it's kind of like because of the size of it and because of the crowd, it's not like the speakers get on stage and talk and then leave they're there all day in the crowd sitting around coming to dinner and stuff so it's a really good i try to make an atmosphere where people are hanging out i'm not bringing in people to do a talk and leave i'm bringing people in to speak who want to come to the conference and i think that makes a big difference in the conference is uh people coming because they want to be at the conference rather than they just got something they're pitching you know there's no pitching from the stage you can't come up there and talk about you know, your exchange, for instance, if you, you know, if that was your job, you work in exchange, but you're talking about Bitcoin. So I, I think it all adds up. But like I said, we aren't having any cancellations. Everything is going good. I think with the social distancing that we set up at the hotel um, and then uh, we're still looking for sponsors. If anyone wants to sponsor, we're looking for a hand sanitizing station sponsor right now. I think that's a pretty good sponsor. You have your name over the top of it. I don't know. Looking for a mask sponsor. <laughs> you know, a mask yeah. sponsor. Everybody be wearing those masks when they go home. The stores, they got to wear them in. You'd have your, your name all over it, you know? So, but if not, well, there you go. Get block boom ones. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, I mean, you've got a great lineup of speakers. So uh, definitely encourage listeners to go. Um, I From everything I heard of the conference last year, it was fantastic. So I'm really disappointed. I can't, I can't go. I literally, I would come if I could. Um, so, oh, I know you would. Yeah. I know you would. Yeah, I know you would. So that's a shame. So we'll have you for next year, though. Hopefully by next August, this damn thing's over, right? Yeah, that's the hope. That's the hope. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, look, I guess um, 
I guess that's pretty much it. Uh, so did you have anything else you wanted to mention for the listeners? And uh, where can listeners find you and BitBlock Room online? Well, just uh, find me at, at on Twitter, Gary Leland, all one word, and then go to bitblockboom.com if you want to check that out. Um, all the information's there. And uh, if anyone is listening, if they can use the code word um, cousins, C-O-U-S-I-N-S, they'll get 30% off because they'll be my cousin. So they'll get 30% off uh, the price of that. So try to remember that if you're thinking about going. But, you know, my main thing, I just want to make sure people know is like, don't expect boomers to jump up and down to buy Bitcoin. Because if you go, God, they can afford it, then that means they don't have a reason to jump up and down because they've got the money. You just need to walk them into it. Take your time, slowly walk them into it, work with them. They don't mind. Like I said, start with, start with Swan. That's where you start. That was so easy for my guy to do. I couldn't believe he was, I wasn't sure he'd be capable of setting it up. But he did. He had to call me two times, but he did set it up. And he's increased his uh, spending, you know, on Swan. Because he's like, oh, that's pretty easy. So that's a great place to start. And don't jump into a wallet with him. Let him get a little bit and get comfortable with it. And then bring the wallet subject in. You're throwing too much at him. They can't handle that much tech at a time. I think that's a that's not just for boomers. I think that's for people in general. Sometimes you just got to one step at a time. Yeah, and if they lose 300, believe me, most boomers, if they lose $350 because someone hacked into the exchange, they aren't going to die and have a heart attack. They're going to be kind of pissed, but it's not like it's going to affect their lifestyle. Of yeah. course, yeah. All right, well, look, Gary, thank you very much for joining me. It was, it was great to chat with you. Hey, it's nice to see you because I haven't seen you since San Francisco. And uh, hopefully that'll happen again soon, wherever it's at. Of course, uh, I'm really looking forward to that as well. Yeah, um, that so was yeah, a good rooftop uh, rooftop meal there. Yeah, that's right. So, listeners, I met Gary. That was the first time I met Gary. It was at the Beefsteak in San Francisco in June 2019. Um, but uh, yeah, so hopefully uh, the conference scene will pick back up uh, and we can start going to all these. Uh, at least internationally, we can start going to these next year. We'll see how it goes with that. Yeah. Um, sure. But I think that's basically it from us uh, for this episode. So listeners, you can find me online at stefanlevera.com and we'll see you guys in the Citadels.